title of this sermon is Called to Make a Difference. And you know, God wants us to make a difference. Amen. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that God wants to uh, just uh, give you the grace to make a difference in your life in this generation? And, and you know, as I was thinking about that and uh, I was thinking about that God wants to make us a difference. He will, he will grace us to make the difference. And, I, and I've studied it out in the Bible. And you can see where God has touched the lives of different people that made a difference, you know, in their, um, in, in their era. Amen. And so God really wants us to make a difference. And I think sometimes uh, the enemy gets us looking at ourselves thinking, you know, I, I can't really make a, that much of a difference. I, you know, my, my educational background, I'm not that, I'm not educated. You know, I don't have a PhD. Uh, I, I, I just have a high school education or you know, the enemy will try to get us looking at, you know, maybe the background that, you know, I don't have the connections. Uh, you know, I can't move forward because I don't really know that many people. I don't have the right connections. And the enemy is always trying to belittle the people of God. Have you ever felt like you were belittled by the enemy? He's telling you you don't have much. But if you have Jesus, you got everything. You got all grace at your disposal. You believe that today? You have all the grace of heaven. All spiritual blessings are at your fingertips. You believe that today? And so we have more going for us than we think we do. And so the enemy will always try to make us think that, that, that we really can't do anything individually. But I, I believe one person can touch a nation. Amen. Do you believe that? I believe one person can touch a city. I believe that God can just raise up one person to change things around. And we need change. Amen. Amen. We need change. And even with, you know... Not just in our church, and, and I believe that we're moving forward in church. We always want to see God move in church. But we need change in this nation, don't we? I mean, we look around and we're, this nation is upside down. And we need to go back to God. We need to, we need to go back to the things of God. Amen. We need to start honoring God as a nation. I love this nation. And we need to love this nation. You know, I was thinking about this person, uh, Queen Esther. And in the book of in the Old Testament, Esther was a, a person that, that grew up under, she was a, um, a Jewish girl that her parents died and her uncle Mordecai raised her up. And she was a beautiful girl. And Esther, it, it, there's, a, there's a book in the Bible called Esther. And she was raised up to make a difference. She was raised up to make a difference in her generation. And, you know, God blessed her with beauty and, and, and God allowed her to become uh, the queen uh, of this Persian king, Xerxes. And so, you know, God allowed her to do this. But, she, you know, when we're in, in a place of responsibility, we're going to have to stand up and do something. And I'm going to say this, as, as Christians and even as Christian Americans... We need to start standing up and doing some things. Yeah. And we need to start speaking out for righteousness. Yeah. If not us, who will? We need to stand up for what's right. 
we need to start standing up for the things of God. Amen. And I'm telling you, the enemy is trying to coward the church down, keep us from saying anything, you know, reaching out to people, keep us from reaching out. And we need to start stepping out and stepping on the enemy. Amen. And we need to start speaking the truth of the word of God wherever we go, even if it's not political correct. And we're in a political correct society these days where the enemy doesn't want us mentioning the name of Jesus. The enemy doesn't want us talking. And really, the enemy doesn't want us to be in politics. Amen. Oh, man. Are you mentioning that P word, Pastor? Yeah. You know what? There is an election coming up. And I'm going to say this, you know, that the enemy has neutered the church, has kept the church leaders from talking about politics because, you know, the, the, the enemy has set up, you know, we have, a, we have some tax exemptions and the enemy has set up rules in the tax code that we're not allowed to endorse a candidate. I don't know if you knew that or not. And so we can't really, we don't have liberty to talk about that in the pulpit, but I'm going to talk about it a little bit. Amen. Hey, man, I like to shake things up a little bit. I'm talking to my board and they say, be very careful. We could lose our tax. I don't care. I don't own any buildings. Who cares if I lose my tax? <laughs> right. Amen. I'm going to preach the truth of God's word. And I'll tell you with the election and what's going on, it's crazy, man. I mean, I, we've never seen such a crazy. It looks like a reality show. And I'm like, is this for real? Are these candidates for real? What is going on? How did we get here? How did we get here with these two candidates that's running for president? And I'm talking to Christians, and some Christians are saying, I, I don't like either one of them. How many people can just raise your hand? And I, you, know, you hear what I say there? And people are like, and some people are saying, well, you know, I'm not, I'm just going to sit down. I'm going to sit out on this one. Uh, be careful. Amen. I'm going to talk to you about that today. And we just can't sit out. If Queen Esther said, I'm just to Mordecai. Mordecai came to Queen Esther and said, hey, uh, you know, there was a decree. There was a law set up by the Persians to destroy the Jews. And Mordecai was weeping and he was, and he, he was distraught about it. Mordecai was the uncle, you know, of, of Esther. And Esther was placed in a position to make a difference. And he said, you know, that the Jewish people, there's a decree for the Jewish people to be annihilated. And I'm going to say this to you today. The devil has made a decree to annihilate us Christians. To keep us down, to try to shut us up, to try to keep us in a box. But you can't keep us in a box. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? And we have to learn to break out of these boxes. And we need to break into the world system. And we're here to bless the world. We're not just here to have a bless me club here in church. And we're blessed in church. I'm hearing testimonies of how God is touching people, how people are receiving jobs and, and people are receiving, you know, debt cancellation and, and how people are getting houses in this church and, and people are getting free cars and God's doing awesome things in the prayers of the people of this church. But we need to take the grace of God and we need to bring it out into a lost and dying world. And so the government has set up a thing that says, well, you know, church and, and government should be separated. You know, it wasn't separated when the Constitution was developed. 
And that is a wrong definition of separation between church and government. Really, that, that never meant for the church not to get involved with the government. It meant for the government not to control the church. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? It was never meant for the it, it was never meant for the church not to have some kind of voice into our government. Amen. And we need to have a voice. You know, I, I did some studying and I found out that that people that call themselves evangelicals, Christians, about 60 to 70 percent uh, of the voting block of this nation are evangelicals. What does that mean? That means that the evangelicals, the Christians, can control who comes into office and who doesn't come into office. But guess what? Out of the 60 to 70 percent of the people that, uh, that, um, that, that can vote, only half of them are registered to vote. And then out of that group, that are registered to vote, only half of them vote. So I did the math because I like statistics and I like math. 75% of the people that call themselves Christians don't vote. But it's not your fault. It's not the congregation's fault. It's not your fault. It's the fault of the leaders. It's, the, it's my fault. It's the pastor's fault. It's us not standing up and talking about it. Amen. And we need to start talking about it. Hallelujah. We need to start talking about that we can influence our nation for good. Amen. And the enemy wants to keep us boxed in and just keep us in a place where we don't have a voice, but you have a voice. Amen. And your voice is in your vote. And if you don't vote, you're not voicing godliness. And we need to vote. And there's people that I know, even some of my relatives saying, I'm thinking about sitting out. What are you talking about? We're in this great nation. We're, I care about this nation. We should care about, oh, no, I just care about me, myself, and us four no more. We need to care about this nation. We're in a, you know... Man, we're, we're actually in a republic. You know, some say we're in a democracy, but no. We're, we're, we're a republic with a democratic process. And so they say, what does that mean, Pastor, that we're a republic? That means that we stand with the Constitution, that our government has to line itself up with the Constitution of the United States. Because if we were just a democracy, we could just vote on anything and it could pass. But if it doesn't go with the Constitution, it can't pass. And guess what? The Constitution was, was put together by godly people. And it has a godly grace on the Constitution. And so it has to line up with that. And so when people say, well, does it really matter, Pastor, that I vote? I mean, can my little vote? Well, 70, 75% of the Christians are probably saying that. Think about it. Seven out of ten are saying, well, my little vote doesn't make it. Well, if it, if it, listen, if everybody had a little vote, then it would be a big vote. Amen. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. How do you win an election? One vote at a time. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? And there is a purpose. There's a reason why we're here. 
And, and we, we're here not just to, just to have a bless me club in the church, but we're here to expand the kingdom of God. Jesus came to bring a new order. Some people are talking about a new world order, and that's what the, you know, that's what all about the Antichrist and all that. A new world order. And, but, but you know what? Jesus came to bring a, a kingdom here. He came to bring a kingdom based on righteousness. No government is perfect except for the government of Jesus. If Jesus was running for president, it would be easy. But he's not running for president. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? We need to start standing for what's right or we will fall for anything. And we need to be, use our God-giving gifts and abilities to affect our nation. And so we see that, that Esther, she was like, well, you know, uh, I haven't seen the king. And she's talking to Mordecai. And Mordecai said, you need to go to the king and talk to him about this decree that's going to destroy, uh, you know, the Jews. And she said, well, you know, the king has some rules here, Mordecai, uh, uncle. Uh, you know, the king has some rules, and I can't go in his presence uh, without being announced. And I haven't seen him for over 30 days. So, you know, I guess he's, he's, he's you know, dealing with a headache or something. I don't know. I haven't seen him for 30 days, and I'm the queen. And, but I can't go into his presence unless I'm called. And if I go in his presence and I'm not called and I don't have that favor and grace, if he doesn't stick out the staff, which grants me, you know, uh, uh, to be in his presence, it's off my head. And I'm going to say this sometimes when you're walking in faith, I'm going to say a lot of times faith is a risk and you're going to have to risk some things to walk before Christ. You're going to have to risk some things. And a lot of us don't want to risk anything. But you know what? Faith is a risk a lot of times. When God says, I want you to tithe and give offers, I can't afford to tithe and give. That's a risk. God said, I will bless you. I'll pour out my, my, my blessings out of heaven upon you. But listen, don't put your trust in money. Put your trust in God. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? And when you start doing the right things, the right things will happen. Amen. And fear will be cut out of your life. The enemy's trying try to neuter the church and keep us in fear. Keep pastors in fear from standing up and speaking the right things. Yes. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? And so Queen Esther, you know, she was there and she had, she had a decision to make. And this is what... Mordecai said to her, he said, listen, if you don't do anything, you will probably perish anyway. And God will raise somebody else up to de deliver the Jews. Are you here? And she said, what? Can you back that truck up again? If you don't do anything. <laughs> and she said, and so she said, uh, uh, and then he said, he gave this famous line. Perhaps you were called for a time such as this. Amen. We're called for a time such as this. The body of Christ is called for such a time to rise up. We're called at such a time to wake up out of our sleep. We are called to be the church that God has called us to be. We can't cower down to people's opinions. We can't cower down to political correctness. We can't cower down to these things. We're going to have to start standing up for what's right. 
And that's, and that's promoting the kingdom of God. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? That's standing up. See, as, as, as a church, we need to stand up for, for those that cannot stand up for themselves. We need to protect the orphans, the widows. We need to stand up for, the right, for righteousness. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that God's calling us? You know what grace is all about? I, and I was going to start my message because I was going to minister this se a series on grace, praise God. But I kind of add in this in there, amen. But God has given us grace to run our race. God has given us grace to step up. He has given us grace. You know, the Bible says this, pray for boldness. Paul said, to, Paul was one of the most boldest Christians that, that was, was in the New Testament. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And he asked the, the congregation to pray for him that he would have boldness. We need to start praying for boldness in this day and age. Again, the enemy's trying to cower us, cower us down to keep us from moving forward. So she, you know what, she, what Queen Esther did? She said, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in front of the king. And you know what? She was risking her life. But what she did do before she went before him, she said, have people fast and pray. Fast and pray before you go to the king. And they fasted for three days before she had an audience with with the king. And, uh, and what happened? Man, she had grace and favor. The Bible says, if my people that are called by my name will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from them and I will heal their land. I'm telling you, we need to start praying for this nation. Listen, as long as we're in this nation, we're called to be the salt and the light. We're called to make a difference in this nation. We're called to expand the kingdom of God wherever we go. Do you believe that today? You're called to expand the kingdom. We're not just called just to, well, well just to be in our little church and just to stay in the... No, we're called to expand the kingdom. Jesus always talked about the kingdom. And we know that the kingdom will be when Jesus comes back. Because you know, no, no government is perfect. It's only, only it's going to be perfect when the government is placed on Jesus' shoulders. This, this, this nation, this world system is not being run by God. Somebody said, what? Can you back that up again, Pastor? We're, it's not being run by God. It's the God of this. It's the little G in, in 1 Corinthians 4.4. 4. It's the God of this world that's blinding the minds of the people lest they see the truth of the gospel. The little G God is controlling much of this world right now. That's why we're called to expand the kingdom and knock down his kingdom. It is a fight. It is a fight between good and evil. And we need to understand that we're in a fight every day. And we need to start standing up. And when seven out of ten Christians aren't voting, they're, they're not standing up for, for their God-given rights. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? And it's easy to, to just say, I'm not going to vote. Let God figure it all out. Let God, oh, well, you know, God can figure it all out. Am I really supposed to be part of this system? Yes, you are. Amen. Listen, if somebody was running for mayor... And they were running for mayor, and their, and their, and their main uh, stance, uh, let's say, was abortion. 
and they and, and they're running and say, we, I, I, I'm all about, you know, abortion. I want to I want to raise up more abortion clinics. I want to see more babies aborted. And I want to, you know, um, that's that's my, my 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 main. That's my platform. I'm standing on is abortion. And you have another mayor that uh, and this one's ungodly. And this one, uh, another one running for mayor saying, you know, that may have Christian values, may be a Christian, this one's ungodly. He's saying, I'm looking to, to raise up more places that will help the ladies, you know, have babies. I'm looking to raise up orphanages. I'm looking to bless. Which person would you vote for? <laughs> pastor, that's a no-brainer. What, what, what are you talking about, Pastor? That's a no-brainer. I'm not going to vote for the guy that wants to, you know, raise up, you know, abortion clinics and kill babies and all that. Now, I know this is a sensitive subject. And, you know, I, you know, I'm not trying to be insensitive. And, you know, maybe you're in here today and maybe you made a decision years ago and you're saved right now. Or maybe you made a decision you did that. There's forgiveness there. Amen. There's mercy there. Amen. There's grace there. Amen. You know, I'm not, I'm not downing a person that goes through the process and all they know is all they know. A lot of times, ladies are backed in a corner. They don't know what to do. And they're getting information that's one-sided from, from an organization that says, this is your option. And they, all, they always want to present that only option. That's why we support uh, Crisis Pregnancy Center. That's why we support the right to life. That's why we support this organization that's helping the women try to make good decisions. Because the decision they make can, can last, you know, the, 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 that decision, the consequences of that decision can last for a lifetime for ladies. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? And so if you're here today and you had the right to vote, would you go out and vote? Would you, would you even, uh, some of us aren't ready, would you, get, would you register to vote? Would you vote for the guy that's standing for the right of life over the guy that's looking to, to raise up abortion clinics? And Yeah, you would, wouldn't you? Because the Bible says, thou shalt not murder. And we got to look at this because is, when is a baby a baby? You know, I was going to show a picture today. When is a baby a baby? Is a baby a baby when it comes out of the womb? Uh, you know, uh, uh, when it's born? Or is a baby a baby when it's in, in the mother's stomach? And really, when is a baby a baby? When, is the baby when it's, you know, I believe the baby is when it's conceived. Because, because the Bible said in... And Jeremiah, I knew you before you were born. And I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. And so I'm telling you, I believe life is at conception. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? And you know, that baby has rights. And we need to stand up for rights. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? And someone said, what are you talking, where are you going with this? Because we can't, we can't look at people or parties. We can't be focused on that when we're voting. We got to look at platforms. And we got to look at what are these people standing on. And whatever they're standing on, that's the agenda they're going to move in their administration. And if they're standing for abortion and they're standing for ungodliness, I can't vote for somebody that stands on a platform for that. Amen. It goes against the truth of God's word. Amen. Can you? Yeah. Well, well this, this party has other things in it that's really admirable and good. Yeah, but, but, but are they pushing that issue? 
Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? Are they pushing? And so there's one party. And so you're going to have to study the platforms of the party. Don't look at people or, or, or um, you know, candidates, but, but look at the platform of what they're standing on. What are they trying to stand on? And you can take the platforms and you can Google it and you can read it. And it's a lot of information. It's a lot of work. Amen? Nobody, most people won't do that. But if you read the platforms, then you can take the truth of the Bible and see which platform lines up closest with the Bible. And you're going to have to, you're going to, have to vote that platform. Yeah. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? And, the, and you know, it's, it's amazing to me that, that Christians need to vote their morals, not what's gonna, what the government's going to put in your pocket. Amen. Not what the government's going to give you. Because you vote for a certain candidate. You need to vote your morals. You need to vote biblical. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? And I believe we're going to be held accountable for who's in office. Whose fault if we get bad representation in office? It's the church's fault. It's our fault. Because we're not standing up for what's right. We're not even voting. We're not even voting. We're not even showing up. I, I say this kiddingly. I just say, if you just want to be a winning Christian, just show up on Sunday mornings. Amen. Just show up. Amen. If you want to win this, be a winning Christian, just make it to church on Sunday. Amen. Put God first place. Yes. Honor God. Hallelujah. Amen. We need to start honoring God again. If you want to see the grace and the mercies of God on your life, honor God. Honor his kingdom. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? So we need to honor God. And so, and so we know Queen Esther, she fasted and prayed. And I'm telling you, everything turned around for the nation of Israel under that rulership. But see, God has used people all through the Bible to affect governments. Daniel was called to affect the government he was under. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego was called to affect the government they were under. Even though they were under a, 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 a government system that wasn't a godly system, God gave them favor in the midst of the government system. Joseph was called to affect a nation. Joseph wasn't just raised up to save his people. He saved the Egyptians. A lot of people don't realize that. A lot of people don't realize Joseph was called to save not just his family, but save an entire nation. Of course, the Egyptians forgot about that. Got in trouble and they got wiped out because they forgot about God. It was the only reason why they were the greatest nation on the earth at that time. The only reason why we're a great nation is because God has made us a great nation. And if we start pulling back from godliness, then everything else is going to fall down. When you start pulling back from walking a godly life in your personal life, I guarantee you, your personal life is going to go down. Are you here with us? I'm telling you, I could have a story for some of you out here. You could probably all testify. Yeah, Pastor, I kind of was, I went down, I didn't, didn't serve God, I let God go, and my life just went down. Is there, can I get a witness in the house today? But when you start honoring God, when you start putting God first place, then he's going to grace you. He's going to give you mercy. He's going he's to give you favor. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? So, so I, I want to focus on 
10 reasons why a Christian should vote. And so here, number one, voting publicly recognizes that we submit to the authority of the political system of our nation as is established by God. So, so it recognizes that we submit to the authority. And, and, the, and it talks about in Romans 13, 1, uh, 1, 7. Romans 13, verses 1 through 7. It says, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there's no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists the ordinances of God. Tune in next week for the completion of this broadcast. This message is presented to you by Pastor David Lambert and Exceed Life Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. For more information, visit ExceedLifeChurch.org.